Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, here with a special draft episode. Really the most unique draft you're ever going to see in your life because we're all, at least most of the country, we're at stay-at-home orders. Everything's at home. There's going to be no live draft. They're going to be doing it from their basements, from their houses. Expect some technical glitches. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Definitely, this is going to be one to remember, 2020, not for a good reason either, because we're dealing with a tough time uh, in our country and really the world at this time. So I hope everyone's safe and healthy. But for a few days at least, there's going to be something to take your attention off the world's problems and, and the problems that are around everybody. We have an opportunity to sit there and yell at our TV. It's like this might as well be like a game. This is I know it's it is a live sporting event, but this might as well be a, a, the live game that's going on. And we saw what happened. Everybody was into the the Jordan documentary and for good reason. The Last Dance. It's awesome. We love it because we're craving our sports these days. So what do we have right now? We have the NFL draft. Right. We have the NFL draft. Three days of picking players from mostly the college ranks. Right. Who are the Giants going to pick at number four? Overall, that's the question that Giants fans want answered, right? Third straight year, they're in the top six. It makes draft day a lot of fun. It makes the draft a lot of fun. The season would be a heck of a lot more fun for the Giants and their fans if if they had success during the season. But what it leads to is premium picks. That's where the Giants are. They're at number four overall. And I've been telling you this for weeks and weeks and weeks now. They are trying to trade back. There is nothing definitive, it seems. At least at this point, I'm taping this on Wednesday morning, right? It's going to be tough for them to make a trade. I haven't even heard many teams that are that willing to move up, right? The question is, really, are the Dolphins at five or the Chargers at six? Do any of them want to move up and make sure they get their quarterback? And they can move up to three or they can move up to four. Where is it? Giants seem to sort of be at the mercy of the Lions and the three pick. So if there's something done, even though Gettleman said he would like to have a, a, a trade in place if he does have one by Thursday afternoon, the likelihood is it's probably going to be at the last minute. So we'll see. We'll see. Now, I put out my list today, Wednesday, of the most likely Giants targets. This is my opinion. Uh, it's an exercise I do every year. It's not perfect for sure. <laughs> Some of this is going to be wrong. Nobody handed me the draft board, said we're drafting this guy, but I have collected information over the past two, three, four months, and this is what I came up with as the most likely guys for the Giants to draft for the number four pick. If they draft number four, the sum of it is really contingent on, okay, if they trade down, right? If they trade, if they pick at eight, nine, or ten, they might not have their choice to top offensive tackle anymore, right? So they might have to go to the next guy on the list. That always factors into the equation. Okay, so my number one guy, and I've heard buzz about him for a long time, and I explained this in there, was Tristan Wirfs. Tackle, Iowa. Okay, the Giants like him. That was obvious from the get-go this year. There's nothing from my understanding throughout the process that has changed that. He has talked to pretty much everybody on FaceTime or Zoom in the organization, right? I'm talking about coaching staff. He talked with Joe Judge, Jason Garrett. He talked with Mark Colombo, the new offensive line coach. He talked to uh, Dave Gettleman, the general manager, assistant general manager, Kevin Abrams. 
He talked to, I believe, Chris Pettit, the director of college scouting. So you name it, the whole gamut of of key decision makers for the Giants, for the most part. And Tristan Wirfs has had that communication, and from my understanding, is it all went well, that he impressed them. And he's an impressive guy in general. Rich Samini, my our, our Jets guy for, at ESPN for the NFL Nation, he wrote a story on Tristan Wirfs probably a few weeks ago, showed you what kind of character and really athleticism. This guy's a premium athlete. You'll find that a little bit more later in the episode. But, yeah, so he's my number one. I think if it comes down to it, that's the offensive tackle that the Giants would like to take. Next in line to me, I kind of flipped here. Jedrick Wills was a guy I had been hearing a lot about from Alabama, and now he seems to be the guy that everyone likes. There was a little buzz of a couple weeks ago. But the more I looked into it, it just, it just seems that that was people connecting the dots, right, between Joe Judge and the Alabama staff and Jedrick Wills Jr. Not that he's not a good player. He is. I think the stat is something like he allowed zero sacks this year and 480 pass blocking reps or, or some, something to that degree, which is off the charts good, but he's a right tackle. He's probably not the athlete that Werfs and Thomas are. Andrew Thomas is the guy for, the left tackle from Georgia, played a little right as well. But Wills is more of the mauler. The other guys, while physical, and maybe Thomas isn't the most physical, but they move a little bit better. And the Giants, that's going to be big in Jason Garrett's offense. Getting to the second level is very important here. I think we're going to see that moving forward. Not only with tackle, with some of the other offensive line positions, with the center as well. They're going to be looking for centers in the second round. I think that's a strong possibility. So, Werfs, Andrew Thomas, really solid player. Uh, I know some people I talk to actually, not, not necessarily with the Giants organization, but people who know offensive line really well. They even had Andrew Thomas as their number one tackle. So, not crazy. And then I put... Isaiah Simmons, I know half the Giants fan base Juan Simmons. He's a sick athlete. He's amazing. Talent, fit, positional value has to play into the equation. I'm not so sure the Giants are willing to go down that road for an outside linebacker or actually a weak side linebacker or a safety, whatever they want to play him at. So while I'm not going to rule it out, I do think it's kind of unlikely. Still, I have him third because he's such a talent. We'll see. And you never know. I wouldn't put it. Out of the realm of possibilities that Isaiah Thomas, oh, Isaiah Thomas, I knew I was going to say that at some point, that Isaiah Simmons is the number three pick if the Lions stay there. Or if Derek Brown ends up being the number three pick if the Lions stay at number three, which then would leave Jeffrey Okuda for the taking. Maybe the Giants could get someone to trade up for him at that point. That might be their best opportunity in a trade. So anyway, so that's where I stand on Isaiah Simmons. Still had him third, Derek Brown, the offensive tackle from uh, Auburn, a defensive tackle from Auburn, I'm sorry. Uh, in another year, Giants are in a different situation. Yes, maybe they would draft Derek Brown, but if they have players with grades close to him, and I believe they do, they'll probably go for a position more of need. The Giants are already invested in Dexter Lawrence from last year. They're already invested in Leonard Williams, who they franchised at $16 million. I know they could pull it, but that doesn't make much sense. You're basically just subbing out one guy for another at this point. Uh, even B.J. Hill, they're invested in. He was a third-round draft pick from a couple of years ago. Dalvin Tomlinson is a former uh, high second dra- second-round draft pick, high draft pick. So it would be tough for the Giants who play a three-four, by the way, to go defensive line, defensive tackle. So I'm not going to rule it out because it's Dave Gettleman, but I also think I, I would be a little surprised if that happened. Then I have Wills. We already talked about him and Makai Becton. A little harder to take Becton. A little more risk. Higher upside, probably the highest upside, the biggest mauler out of the offensive tackles, but he was once 380 pounds, right? So, yes, he's worked hard. His work ethic has seemingly improved. There's all good things you hear about that. But 
He was once 380 pounds. He tested positive. This makes him a little more risky. Is he going to do the right things? Is he going to remain at the 350, 360 pounds that he is now, whatever he is, 353, 53, 54? What happens when he gets all this money? Can you trust him to make the right decisions, to do the right things? Makes him just a little bit more riskier and a little less likely for me as the Giants' top draft pick, whether it's at 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I just went in order. I counted in order. That was a pretty dumb thing to do, but whatever. You get the point. So anyway, that's where we stand. I'd be surprised if they drafted Okuda. He's on the just-missed part of the list just because they already invested. their top One of their top investments in free agency was that cornerback. They have a first-round cornerback from last year. Would be quite interesting if they gave up on him, basically, as, as a full-time top-end starter right away. Not impossible after the rookie year and the things they saw from DeAndre Baker. But still, there will be quite an indictment on the general manager. It makes it a hard thing to envision happening. And my final guy is... The number two pass rusher in this draft, Kalevron Chason. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But from LSU, number two pass rusher. What happens in this draft is when there's one pass rusher, and that's Chase Young, who's so elite that everyone else sort of gets pushed up. And I heard Chason would not be crazy if he ended up in the top ten. Because those traits and those skills to be a top-level pass rusher, he's the only other guy that people see it in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop. If Let's say, let's say they do trade back to... 10 or 11 and it turns out the tackles that they really wanted they had three tackles they were okay with taking and all three are gone maybe hey emergency okay we're this is our fallback kind of option let's go this direction and go chase on unlikely that's why he's at at just missed very unlikely but i could see that in the slim realm of outside long range potential possibilities second round the way it's going to work is the bottom of the first early into the second round is going to be kind of crazy. This is a draft where there are a lot of players probably from like 20 to 60 that are very similar. Okay, so teams might be moving up to make sure they get a guy if there's a run at a certain position. Teams might be sliding back. So there'll be probably players, and this is what happened with Landon Collins with the Giants, where one of your guys that you have a first-round grade on makes it to the second round, surprisingly. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and you're near the top of the second round, and you say, wow, we have a a good quality first-round grade on this guy. Let's jump up and get him. In that case, the Giants went up to the first pick of the second round, made sure they got Landon Collins, boom, boom. They got an all-pro, Pro Bowl safety with their first pick of the second round. The Giants are in position where they could do that again this year, whether they move up in the top of the second round or stay. Right now, they're at 36. Uh, center, a position they're going to look at. I've mentioned Matt Hennessy many times. I would look at him from Temple. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, another guy I think should be at least in that mix. Guys that could uh, drop down. I-, I think Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, I think he's probably likely to go in the first round. But if the Giants don't take offensive tackle, which of the offensive tackles make it to the second round, right? There's probably going to be around six or seven in the first round. So which one doesn't? Ezra Cleveland. Uh, Austin Jackson, if one of them falls... That's possible if the Giants don't take a uh, if the Giants don't take an offensive tackle at number four with their first pick, right? Are any of these maybe they have a first round grade on uh, these uh, on Patrick Queen, speedy linebacker, and he makes it to the second round, right? Um, I think that's a possibility. Patrick Queen sliding out of the first round. Um, Jordan Brooks, another guy some people thought might be in the first round as a surprise. Maybe he's available in the second round. Who else? Uh, Zach Braun, Zach Bond. We'll see about him. I'm not so sure. And there's some really good cornerbacks. If, if the Giants had a really high grade on one of these guys, 
because it seems like there's a lot of cornerbacks in this draft. How about the safety? Uh, maybe the Giants have a first-round grade on, on Antoine Winfield Jr. Or McKinney. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. The safety is a possibility. So look for that to happen. Otherwise, center is a strong possibility. Safety, that's a range for a lot of these safeties. Kyle Duggar is a name I'd, I'd keep an eye on out of uh, Lenore Ryan. I have no idea where that is. I, I say I did have no idea where that was. I, had to ask, I asked someone recently if they had a clue, and he, he thought he told me it was in North Carolina. I didn't even check it. It might be in North Carolina. It might not. But I've ne- But interesting, interesting player. So a lot of these guys, Jeremy Chin, Antoine Winfield, McKinney, safety, second round, early second round, that seems to be where those guys are going to go. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry and uh, Matt Hennessy, I mentioned. The, sa- the, the centers, if any uh, pass rusher, there should be some interest guys. A.J. Epinesa, I hear there's a good chance he might not end up going in the first round. Josh Uchi, uh, I'd be really surprised if he went in the first round. Another guy out of Michigan. Uh, Gross Matos from Penn State. Seems likely to go near the end of the bottom half of the first round, but let's say he slides out. Definitely keep an eye on him. Guys like that. So that's how I view the first and second rounds of this draft. It should be fun. I hope everyone enjoys it. But now we have two dynamite guests for you right here. Back to back. So let's get into it. On to the next one. Let's bring in my buddy Dave Rothenberg here, 98.7 ESPN New York. A co-host or, or tri-host with Canty and DiPietro on the uh, afternoons. Catch them every day. Don't forget, if you want the best Giants content that's out there, you know that those three provide it. Dave, we are taping this on Wednesday, I think. It's hard to figure out days these days, right? I mean, yesterday I had literally no idea what day it was. But the draft is one day away. And as we stand right now, the Giants still sitting at four. How are you feeling and let's get right to it. Who do you want? Wow. All right. So first of all, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Okay, um, we need that insight. Come on. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Uh, and and uh, wrongly so, I think it's fair to say, last year I was very upset with Daniel Jones. There's really only one, maybe two guys that would have me upset like that this year that I think are somewhat realistic to the Giants' sake, and that's Derek Brown would be the, the, the top of that ladder. And Jeff Okuda would be much lower down, but also uh, wouldn't have me thrilled. I'm torn, Jordan. I mean, I'm torn, and I'll, and I'll run through the scenarios with you in here. Uh, I mean, I love Isaiah Simmons. I, I loved watching him play at Clemson. I think he's a dominant defensive player, and I think he would add a ton to the Giants. And, and the, the different things he's capable of doing are – they're great, right? I mean, he can rush the passer. He can drop into yeah. coverage. He can cover – I mean, Jordan, you know this better than anybody – the Giants can't cover a running back or tight end to save their lives. That's not an issue that's been that way for two years. It's been that way for, for 15 years that if you have a good tight end, you're going to – the Blake Jarwins. It I was going to say, does it need to be good? Blake Jarwin. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be good. Blake Jarwin. So, so am I excited about the prospect of – of taking Isaiah Simmons? Yes, very much so. So that would please me. Uh, I think the thing that I am most looking forward to and would, would please me the most right now, though, is the offensive lineman. Uh, so if you want me to break it down, I will. And again, I haven't watched, you know, scouting tape and all sorts of stuff on these guys. I watched a lot of games and I've seen them all play in college. So here, I'm going to give it to you here. Uh, I'm going to go. And Dave Rothenberg list of offensive tackles. That's what we're going to do. 
one through four. Now, mind you, uh, and, and, and I speak to a lot of people, right? And almost everyone I've spoken with, you, Mike Tenenbaum, Sal Palantonio, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, have differing top four lists. So I don't think there is a consensus like you absolutely unequivocally have to take this guy, right? But here's what I'm going to give to you. I'm going to go Tristan Wirfs one. I think he can play tackle and I think he can play at a very, very high level. I'm going to give you Jedrick Wills, two. I'm going to give you Makai Becton, three. And I'm not worried about the reports that he failed the drug test or anything like that. That does nothing to me. Uh, Laramie Tunsil did as well. It was one of the best tackles in football. And I'm going to give you Andrew Thomas, four. I'm trusting, and maybe I'm wrong, Jordan. I'm trusting that Dave Gettleman has done his research, is competent in conjunction with Joe Judge, that whatever offensive lineman of the four they take on Thursday night, I will be fine with it, and I'm not going to freak out. Right. But that, you know what the thing I've really noticed so far? Yeah, I feel like the fan base is almost split between wanting Simmons and wanting an offensive tackle. I really, I really get that vibe that it's almost split right down the middle, and you, but you almost be okay with either one. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think Derek Brown would have you lose your mind. Now, I will go on. That's to only. You. Let me just say, that's all. Uh, I'm asking you. That's only because of the position he plays. Well, yeah, it's the position he plays. He's not a pass rusher. I mean, he's a bull rusher, and he might be a terrific player. But you, you also have money committed to that position, so that would that would upset me. Um, okay. Let me let me go on to tell you okay, that yeah. this is all with a caveat, and that is, do they trade back? You know, like if you trade back to nine with Jacksonville, if you can somehow, and I don't know that they can, but if you can somehow figure out a way to, to land uh, Yannick Ngakwe and move back to nine and then draft the best offensive lineman available, I mean, I think now you're really moving in an interesting direction. So those four guys in that order – but to me, more important than the order right now is moving back, acquiring more assets, and then taking the best offensive lineman available. Right. Okay, and we'll get to that in a minute, the Ngakwe, because that dream might not be completely dead yet. But let's go through the scenarios real quick, right? Let's say the board goes Joe Burrow, Chase Young, 1-2, right? Yep. And Derek Brown goes number three. Giants have to stay at number four. Where are you going? Derek Brown goes number three. Derek Brown goes number three. So Okuda is now on the board as well. Yeah. Okuda, Simmons, three offensive tackles. Where are you going? And you can't trade back. Can't trade back. I'll go Wirfs. I think Wirfs, and and maybe this is short-sighted of me, and I understand that. I'm going to go with, with what I consider to be the best offensive lineman, and – I know that Simmons is going to be a star player, but I think that Wirfs makes you better instantly. And I guess, Jordan, right, the long-term goal is to maximize the quarterback and the running back. And this not only does it for the long-term goal, this does it for the short-term goal, and it has a succession plan after Nate Solder. So I would go Wirfs for overall. Yeah, I'll just say this real quick before we go to the next scenario. You said Simmons is going to be a star, and I was thinking about it. And I think he's going to be a great player. He's got the skill set. He's freakish, right? But I'm trying to think of a player of his ilk that turned out to be a total star, right? Like a guy that does what he does, that linebacker, that speedy linebacker, that rushes, that, that can cover, that does it all. Like he, The guys that I think that I, I try to think of if I look at linebacker are, are in the, like the you know, middle linebacker. Like I, I don't 
the, the guys just don't come to my head. Like the one that comes to my head is like Derwin James, who's awesome for the, for the San Diego chargers like that. But is that, is that the kind of star that Isaiah Simmons is going to be? Like that, uh, that, that, that's, that's partly what I think when I, when I think about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he can run, right? And that's a huge advantage. He can run. He can cover. Uh, he plays amazingly well in space. He doesn't have a defined position. So, yeah, I don't know that there's a comp. Maybe Derwin James, maybe a, a Troy Palomalu. I don't know. But all I know is this guy is productive. He's yeah. incredibly athletic. He's faster than Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's got a, a lot of positives yeah, on, on his ledger, Jordan. A lot of positives. All right, so I agree with you on that. Totally. Just super freakish. Joe Burrow, here's the next scenario. Joe Burrow won. Isaiah Simmons surprisingly goes two. The Redskins, you know, they're the Redskins, and they go Isaiah Simmons at two. Now Chase Young is available. Now the Giants want Chase Young. They would die for Chase Young. The, but the Lions also probably want Chase Young. Right. So if you want to get him, it's going to cost a lot. Would you trade at that point your first and second round pick to go get Chase Young? No. No, I don't think so. Because, uh, Jordan, I, I, they had this opportunity. If they would have just lost that game, I'm, I'm not going to make a, a bad situation worse. No, I'm not, I'm not trading to move on. I'm not trading my second round pick. Because think of what I can do. I can almost completely renovate my offensive line, right? I can go Wirfs. I can go Hennessy. I can go I can go uh, one of those centers. I don't know if Ruiz. Barry or, yeah. Yeah, Ruiz probably won't still be there. But I, I can, I mean, I can go left tackle for the future, center for the future. My left guard is set. My right guard is good. I mean, I can make a weakness, a strength, and I can actually, for one time, have hog molly. So I don't think I'm going to mortgage the future as much as I love him. I don't think I'm mortgaging the future to move up for Chase Young. But the reality is these picks are 50-50, especially when you're talking about 36. So there's a 50% chance that one of these guys doesn't pan out, right? There always is. I mean, look, you can look back at Chase. And then how much do you you love Chase Young? I love Chase Young. But you know what? I I think that you're going to get a set offensive lineman at four, and I think you get another really, really good player at 36. And it's not like I have – I'm not the Miami Dolphins where I have 14 picks where I can say, oh, you know what? Let me give you two picks. I don't pick – so then you're telling me I don't pick from three to 99. Well, I'm not good enough to make a decision like that. No, I'm not doing (laughs) it. Next scenario, Burrow. Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons to the Lions, which I also think is another possibility. And then you're sitting there. So, again, Okuda, four offensive tackles, everybody else, where do you go? I'm going worse. I'm going worse. So, even with Okuda there, you you never flinch when Okuda's there. No, no. I, I listen. I, I like Okuda a lot. Uh, I, I think the Giants' corners are, are, you know, if if Baker takes a step in the right direction, then the corners should be should be serviceable, and I, I think they'll be okay. No, I think the offensive line is the direction that they have to go in. All right. So, final scenario here we go: Burrow, Young, and then either the Dolphins or the Arizona Cardinals, who I heard like Worfs, they trade up to three, and they jump the Giants. And take Tristan Wirfs. So now you got Simmons, Okuda, three offensive tackles. Where are you going? I mean, you're, you're really going to put my nose to the grindstone and make me say I want the offensive lineman. Uh, I think I'm going Jedrick Wills uh, four overall. Now, I just wanted to see if you were yeah. willing to go Wills there over Simmons. And if, if you had like the second choice there, if you were still willing to go there. Yeah, no, I'm going offensive. Now, I will tell you this. 
I would do anything in my power if I'm Dave Gettleman. And I believe that this is the plan to move back. I absolutely am desperate to move back. And I got to be honest with you. If somebody wants to move up to, to four to take Herbert or Tua and you want to move up from five or six, you can. And I know this is going to sound strange to you, but if you're the Dolphins and you're concerned about somebody else moving up to four, you can even underpay me. Like if, if I know the Dolphins are going to move up to four and take the quarterback and I'm going to pick five, I don't lose anything. You can you can underpay me to move up just so I can have a little sweetener for later in the day, later well, in the draft. I was just about to give you scenarios. So you would take the five and pick number 153 for Miami, a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you I mean, take – I'm going to get the would, same guy, so why would I not do that? No, I agree. I'm. We're going through – I went and looked at, okay, what possible trade scenarios might work, right? So we get to Miami – and Miami wants to move up, but they don't want. Let's say they don't want to give up the five. Now, I, these are these are close. I looked at the trade, the couple different trade charts, and came up with points. So they're somewhat close. Okay, so let's hear what you think. Giants give up number four. Would you take the Dolphins eighteen and twenty six? No. No, I, I, I want to. I want a star player, and I want a guy that I have the most confidence is going to have that kind of a season. And career, so no, I'm not. I'm not trading back. And you can ask me these questions if you like. I'm not trading back from four to eighteen and twenty six. I'm not trading back from four to fourteen and, and thirty one. Like I'm not doing it. If yeah, I'm not getting it, four, so fourteen and thirty five to Tampa for and forty five no. to Tampa. You're out. No, I I want to be top ten in this. Okay, draft. so here. Okay, so here. Jaguars nine and seventy three. So seventy three is obviously yeah. that's a, that's an early third round pick. Uh, see, so I don't nine, nine I don't early third round pick. I don't think I would do that. I, I I don't need a ton to move from four to five with Miami. I don't know that I'm going four to nine and then seventy three. Okay. I don't think so I would. now. I'll tell you what I I'm tell you what I would do. I would go four to nine and you include Yannick Ngakwe. Now we got a deal. But why would they? they they want a first-round pick and more for Yannick Ngakwe. Well, they're moving up five spots. Maybe they love a quarterback. The five spots on the dra- on the chart is is uh, not first-round worthy. Uh, it, it, it doesn't doesn't equate. So we'll get we'll get to that in a second, right? Okay, a couple more. So this is the we're, we're whittling down. We're getting closer to, to four. Carolina seven. They give you offer you seven and then throw in their fifth-round pick, one forty-eight. Numbers come out fairly close, or they throw in their sixth-round pick. You're moving down to seven. You doing it? Uh, so I'm moving to seven, and I'm getting what? You're getting a fourth or fifth round pick. No, no, I'm not doing that. No, you're gonna have to give me more. So the bottom line is, it's gonna be hard to get a trade done. That's what that that's what it's gonna come down to. It's gonna be very, very hard to get a trade done unless it's the guys at five and six. Five and six. Five. Yep. five. Now, if you offer me a fourth round pick for five or six. I would absolutely consider consider it very seriously. Once I lose, because I'm assuming they're going to go quarterback, quarterback. So really, in essence, I'm not losing anything from going to four to six. Once I go to seven, eight, nine, ten, even if Atlanta moves up and they want four, they love the cornerback. Now I'm starting to lose something, so I'm, I'm more inclined to stay at four. Yep. Okay. So let's go to Ngakwe real quick. You brought him up. It'll be real quick. Okay. Go ahead. You you rip through. Just say yes or no. Okay, so my feeling is the Giants, they're going to still monitor that, and they would like to be in it. Of course, price is a huge factor, okay? So 
Would you give up for Yannick Ngakwe, pick number four? No. Would you give Unequivocally, no. Okay. Top of the second round this year, number 36, and your first round next year? No. And I'll tell you why. I don't know that the Giants are going to be decent. I think there's a chance you could be looking at a five- or six-win team picking in the top ten again. So I'm not giving you an eighth pick and a 36th pick for Yannick Ngakwe. I'm sorry, I just can't. And not because he's not worthy of that. I don't trust the team right now. But I'm just – okay, so here's how teams often look at it. The pick next year, if, if it's a first round next year, that's almost like a second round this year. Like you, you almost move it back here. So in value-wise, that would be almost like two twos this year. So that that's how kind of how teams look at it. So with that being said, would you give up your the thirty sixth and the, your second next year? Yes. Okay. How about the thirty sixth Ingram and a third or fourth round pick? Thirty six Ingram. Evan Ingram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now you say a third or fourth round pick. I don't have a third round pick next this year. year. Next year. I'm sorry. Next year. So I'm going thirty six Ingram next year's third round pick. Yes, I would do that. All right, and then finally the last one, Saquon Pernagakwe. I would do it. I know the organization. <laughs> I know the organization would never do it, but I would absolutely do that. 100%. Well, we know that's completely unrealistic. We we reached the point where we just got the you know the the silly time. So on that note, Dave, we will speak soon. And I will keep texting you because this is how, this is how we work. I will keep texting you what's going on behind the scenes and what I'm hearing, all right? All right. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Enjoy the draft, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. We're ready to dip back in for more. This time we're going to bring in Matt Bowen from ESPN. Now, if you don't follow Matt, you should, because if you need to learn about football, this this is the guy. I mean, they bring him every year into our summits to basically teach us about football because we obviously need, you know, the most rudimentary uh, facts taught to us. Uh, this is the man to do it. And if you haven't been reading some of the articles he wrote, he's been doing a lot of fits with teams. And also he has one out now that sort of uh, gave every, not every, but uh, some of the top prospects that what they're, what their best skill is, like the best best pl- blocking back, uh, the best uh, pass blocker, the most versatile player, which obviously will play into what we're doing here. So welcome, Matt. Appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it, Jordan. How are you guys doing? You know, we're hanging in there. We're all, we're all getting by. This is, this is our distraction from uh, reality. We're going through all the draft stuff and uh, trying to – actually, it should be an awesome event this year. I don't know if you're excited, but I'm, I'm pretty excited because – it really is the only thing we have going, right? No, it is. Uh, you know, and <clears throat> you and I have both been doing our research on it and leading up to the draft. And I, you know, at the end of the day, it's still about the prospects and the picks and the team fits and the scheme fits. Um, obviously, it's a unique situation, and it's going to be a unique draft in terms of the how it's presented. But at the end of the day, uh, the way I look at it, Jordan, it's still football. So, yeah. Um, you have to, that's how the scope I'm taking when looking at this NFL draft, even though we're in a unique situation and it's going to be different than we're accustomed to as viewers. Uh, it's still football at the end of the day. And for a lot of teams, especially when you talk about first day one and day two picks, it's still critically important to find the right players that oh, fit not only your scheme, your team identity, 
you know, your developmental track in terms of your coaching staff and how you want to fit them into your roster construction for the next three to four or five years. So let's talk about fit, right, for the Giants. Okay. We're sitting at the Giants at number four. We'll go down my list of the, the, the most likely guys I think are going to go. So we'll, okay. we'll go down in order here, okay? All right. So we'll start with Tristan Wirfs. Super athletic, right? Uh, we, saw, we saw that at the Combine. Can obviously move. Some people actually think he's better at guard, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you rated him as the best zone-blocking offensive lineman. So right. how do you well, think he would fit into the Giants' offense, and would, be, would he be a good fit? We're talking we're, – we're guesstimating, obviously, because we've never seen their offense yet, but we're right. putting it in the Jason Garrett mold. Right. Well, if you're talking about Coach Garrett, there's going to be more outside zone. There's going to be more stretch plays to the edge of the formation. You know, that's what they were in Dallas in terms of their run game. There's going to be some power. I call it gap. Power means, Jordan, you have a lead blocker. You're basically giving the running back a roadmap, right? We're going to run off tackle. We're going to follow the fullback or follow the H-back, go through the hole. But I think there'll be more zone base that will play into their play-action game at the quarterback position in terms of their bootleg and their play-action. It works. Obviously, I'm an Iowa grad, so I am biased. But, (laughs) look, let me tell you this. Before we even get to a skill set, when you draft a, a player from the University of Iowa and Coach Ferentz, who I played for, you're getting a second-year pro in terms of their professionalism, their maturity, their approach to the game, their game prep, how they take care of their bodies, and how they take care of themselves mentally to prepare as professionals. That's what you get with Coach Ferentz, especially on the offensive line. Yeah, even more so on the offensive line. That's what he's known for. Right. You are learning pro technique. You play in a pro-style offense. You are taught and developed like a pro in terms of your technique, your footwork, your movement base, or your functional strength in terms of blocking and climbing to the second level of the line of scrimmage. And Wirfs, look, he's got a wrestling background. You know, it's important to me now, more so, uh, Jordan, since I started coaching at the high school level and seeing Why is how, that? I, I think a wrestling background, when you're talking about your offense and defensive linemen, can be a foundation for your overall athletic profile. I really believe that in terms of your functional mobility, your hands, your ability to play with leverage, your hips, uh, your overall flexibility, and really just your overall nastiness, okay? The toughest thing I ever went through as an athlete in terms of conditioning level was when Joe Gibbs came back to the NFL with Washington and Greg Williams, our defense coordinator. Uh That was horrible. (laughs) Those two (laughs) days were the worst. I mean, we conditioned before practice and hit for five weeks straight, twice a day. Uh, You go in a wrestling room, it's hard. Things you can't do anymore, by the way. No. You go into a wrestling room, you better be ready to go now. You better be ready to work. That is a different environment. That is, in my opinion, one of the most competitive environments in sports. Really? You are pushed to the limit um, as a wrestler. It doesn't Whether the high school level, college level, and even now, you'll see it more at the youth level and how hard they train in a wrestling room. But the wrestling background is, is big for me. The, the, the multi-sport background. You know, Tristan was a four-sport athlete. In high school in Iowa, you can play four sports. You play baseball in the summer. Right. Um, and his athletic profile is really off the charts. You don't see offensive linemen tests like that. You just don't. Because that, that again, but that, that, that plays to the tape. The testing profile, now I'll say this real quick. It's great. It's got to play to the tape. With Worfs, it does play to the tape because he is an easy mover. He can get out and win in space. He can drive you off the ball as a run blocker and climb to that second level and cut off linebackers. And if he gets outside versus a DB, it's over. It's over. He's going to bury you into the ground. Now, does he fit better at guard? I mean, it depends on team. It really, it depends on team. Do I think he'd be a, a, an all-pro guard? I do. I really do. Can he start a right tackle for you? I believe that as well. 
So that's something you're going to have to weigh there is where are you going to fit him? How are you going to develop him at the pro level versus professional competition, where he fits best for your team and where he can grow quickly in terms of getting to that next level where you think his ceiling is. You mentioned right tackle. I have to ask, do you think he could grow into a left tackle as well? If they, because the Giants, I feel for the Giants to start a guy on the right, have him play there a year or two. Nate Solder leaves. Maybe if you want, if you want, then you have the option of moving him over to the left. Right. And I, I think he has the footwork for that. I think he can mirror pass rushers off the edge. Um, he can reset and reset his hands. I think that is a possibility. To answer your question, yes. Do I think yeah. as a rookie? No, no. I wouldn't right. do that to a rookie. Um, just look at well, all these guys we're talking about. Uh, Jordan, they're all going to struggle at some point during the rookie seasons. Oh yeah, uh, most guys yeah, as a rookie, I don't care where you're drafted at all, especially offensive linemen. They're not going to be great their rookie year. Like they're not going to be better than Nate Solder as rookies, most likely. Probably not. <clears throat> and even myself, as uh, I was a six round draft pick, I wasn't very good, but. Even when I played as a rookie, man, I was, I mean, things were flying by at 100 miles an hour. You know, your eyes are going everywhere. You're just trying to, you know, look, as a rookie, you don't even know how to get to the facility. Yeah. Right? Someone has to tell you how to get to practice. You don't, I mean, there's so many things that go into developing as a pro. You know, what do you wear on the team playing? I have no idea. You know, where's the bathroom in the team facility? I have no idea. And now you're trying to learn a playbook and going against guys who have been in the league for eight years. So it is a transition. And this uh, year more than ever. I mean, because right, you're not going to have, have a rookie mini camp to learn what the bathroom is or the cafeteria this right. year, right? Not it's going to it's going to be a, a unique situation, unique process. So you have to be willing to understand that these guys, what you're drafting them for. Obviously, you want them to play as rookies, as a number, you know, top five pick. But you have to understand you're also drafting them for the next five years as well. They're going to develop, they're going to grow as players, and this year especially, it's going to be a unique situation because you're not going to have the field time you usually do. Yeah. No, definitely. Next up is Andrew Thomas, more of a natural left tackle. Uh, I think he is. He's played there most of his career. Yeah, like Worf, he's an easy mover. I I think he – there's no question he's an offensive tackle. There's no question he's an offensive tackle. And I remember going back and watching tape on him last year in the spring, and it's easy to see why he has top ten traits. And that's what you're looking at here is the traits. Uh, Long has a footwork. Um, has good hand placement, can redirect, can play in space. So I mean, play in space, I mean, versus an edge rusher, you know, they can handle counter moves. Again, you're talking about a rookie offensive tackle. There'll be some in terms of the athletic profile. Jordan, it's all there. There's no question about it. It's all there. And that's why he's I, I think that's why they're at the top of the list. I mean, the, the guys I think are most likely because those are the easy movers. That, and, and that's probably why the Giants, if that's their list, like them as the t- their top two guys, right? This is. This is sort of like pick your ice cream flavor, right? Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it, 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 first of all, it's a trait. So, look, if you're going to be drafted in the top ten, it's height, weight, and speed. It's athleticism, right? It's height, weight, and speed. We see it at every position. We're going to see this year quarterback position with Justin Herbert, right? Height, weight, and speed, athleticism, big-time arm, uh, you know, fits the profile of a top ten pick in terms of the traits you're looking for. So, in terms of Thomas, he's going to check every box, Jordan. He's going to check every box. That's a real possibility for the Giants. Next up is Isaiah Simmons. Also, look, they need defensive playmakers. You could see that's what he is. You listed him as the, the most versatile player, right? I mean, obviously, right. you know, he, he, could do, he could do everything. Right. First, let's start at your, your former safety. Mm-hmm. You see him as a safety, I believe, correct? 
In your base package, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think right now, yeah, what you want in the secondary and at the second level of your defense is multi-dimensional or multi-positional players. Really multi-dimensional because one, whenever training camp does start, you're going to have to go to a specific meeting room. You're going to have to line up on day one, go from stance and start from, you know, what, where your eyes are, what your run pass keys are. You have to, you have to learn a position. You can't just come in and say, well, he's going to play seven positions. Well, then you become a master of nothing, right? You have to learn a position. And to learn a position, I like Isaiah Simmons as a safety. Okay, and he's he has like Worfs an elite athletic profile. He's six foot four. He's two thirty eight and he ran a four three nine. Okay, that is beyond rare. Okay. That's freakish, yeah. Right, I mean right. you don't see that very often if at all. Right. My my teammate at match of Greg Cosell says his play style reminds him of Tyron Matthew. Okay. Right. Different in terms of body types, right? Definitely one of the, the comps that I heard. I've also right. heard Derwin James. I've I like Derwin James. I like Derwin James because the, the size fits a little bit more, right? The size right. fits a little bit more. So right. what you're thinking is, okay, in your base package on defense, play quarters, okay? Quarters is four across in the back. Play quarters where you can run the alley, play in space, play top down and crossers. Right, match the verticals up to see. He's got enough range. We saw that in the national semifinal against Ohio State in the play he made from the post. That was an amazing play. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in your sub packages, where you're in what, Jordan, 65, 70% of the game now anyways? Yeah. Absolutely. Now you get a little creative. Now you can be your dime linebacker. Now you can be your dime safety. Now you can be your nickel safety that rolls down and plays in space. And that's where I think he's at his best. Okay, look, he has the size to play middle linebacker. That's what he does. I don't think he's at his best around a lot of bodies. I right. just really don't. I think he's better in space. Physicality, from what I hear, is not the strength of his game. I'm not that no, he's not physical at all, but I mean, right. that's he's not a guy who's going to go take on blockers and you want him to go, you know, smash heads and then work off blockers all day. No, yeah, I, you bring up a great point. I agree, he's physical. There's a difference between being physical at the point of attack and a physical football player. He's a physical football player, but he's not a guy who's going to take on ISO, the lead blocks in the A gap all day. Right. Okay, one, I think you're wasting his talent in that situation. Yeah. You're putting that Mike linebacker, what are we doing here? What are we doing, Jordan? Yeah. He's not a Mike linebacker. Now he's a weak side backer and a 34th can play the weak side and chase the ball from the backside and, and play the run when it bounces to his side, dropping the coverage. Now he can do a lot of things there. He really can. I think a lot of teams look at him as an outside linebacker or as a safety. My personal opinion, if I'm a coach, I like him more as a safety. You want to play – look, look what the Patriots did. Now, now we're talking about the the Giants, but, you know, anticipating what they're going to do on, uh, on defense with Joe Judge as their head coach. You know, New England led the NFL last year in man coverage snaps on defense. Yep. Okay. They led the they are a heavy man coverage team. So you would expect and the Giants to be their defensive coordinator is Patrick Graham. He was in Miami. Right. We're not far behind. No. So you're gonna play a lot of man coverage, you're gonna play a lot of split safety too in quarters. I think you'll play some quarters. So he fits there. Then when you're playing man coverage, they you know, New England play a lot of man robber. What that means is man coverage, you have a guy who drops down almost like a hook player in the middle of the field. And just jumps everything. Uh, you know, that's the best way to say it. Imagine Isaiah Sims doing that at six foot four. Yeah. Just driving downhill on people, cutting crossers, just clogging up passing. So there's a lot of things, I think, in terms of his athletic profile and his traits that transition more in the mold of a safety. Okay. And look, there might be people that say you're out of your mind. Okay. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, and also, I don't have to build an NFL team. I'm just looking at it from an outside perspective. But <clears throat> based on my experience, 
as a player and then and now analyzing the game, I, I think he would be an impact safety in the mold with the physical makeup similar to a Derwin James. Now, do you draft that at number four? That's the big question. Yes, that is that's that's, the dilemma that you hear. And, and yeah. you, I've spoken to teams and I've spoken to people in front offices and they said that's the conversation they have. Is it one of their the premium positions? Because you have to look at it, and I'm, I'm looking at it from a Giants perspective, right? And I'm wondering what you think about this. Mm. This is their third straight year with a top six pick, right? Right. Let's say they take Isaiah Simmons. They have a defensive weapon, let's call him, right? Safety right. weapon linebacker. They have Saquon Barkley, who's a running back, and they have Daniel Jones as a quarterback. They still don't have an edge, a natural edge rusher. They still don't have an offensive tackle. So they just had three premium picks. And those are two of the most important positions, and they really still have two big voids at that. Would that right. concern you, and how much would that concern right. you? Right, and that's um, – look, I think you take the highest-graded player. I mean, that, that has yeah. to be done. Um, drafting a need, I think, gets you in trouble. Uh, and, you know, look, everything is a little need-based. Obviously, we understand that. Yeah. Um, but, but you want the guys to be in the same – Take your highest-graded player. If that's Isaiah Simmons – and. Right, but if they're if, if if they're similar grades, let's say they're right. similar grades, let's say it's Worfs or Thomas, uh, I kind of think the Giants will go all line in that situation. Right, you know, but, you know, based on the general manager too and what he's done at the past in building teams, it starts at the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. So look, look, and I know I every year when it comes to the draft, um, you know, one thing I say: if you haven't addressed your offense and defensive line, what are you doing? Right. Really. Because all the other parts are great, but you got to have those parts first. Yeah, Look, it doesn't matter if we're talking about high school football, Jordan. You can't block in high school. It doesn't matter what your skill guys do. It really doesn't. Right. Totally. You have to build you're up. If you're them. dominated in those areas, you are not going to win long term. No, no, at any level. No matter what, what level we're talking about, we see it all the time. So, it, it, you know, I'm very interested to see what they do. Let's put it that way. And look, I love the fit of, and the idea of Simmons and that defense, but I also understand how building a roster and building a football team that right now, you know, leading up to the draft, I would kind of lean to the offensive line at that spot. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And it's not right. saying that I don't like Simmons because he, right. would, he would be great in that defense right. long term. It's just there, there's a roster composition in the way you build your team. It's, it's huge. So last one I'll ask you, Diedrich Wills Jr., more of a, a power guy. I believe you called him the best pass blocker. I didn't. And some people are going to say I'm, you know, I'm out of my mind for saying that. But I look at the, you know, when I look at it for a pass block, I'm, I'm not saying, okay, this is the best way to say it, Jordan. <clears throat> Do they have the traits that will develop as a pass blocker in the National Football League? Mm-hmm. I think Wills does. Okay, I think he has the footwork. Um, I think he can, can mirror athletic pass rushers. I like his hand hand usage on the edge to counter pass rush technique. Um, and I think he's got some nasty to him as well, uh, which you want. Um, right. yeah, that's, a guy, again, that – like he talk- He's the most physical one, kind of, the, the more like road grader, mauling type guy? Uh, you know, I, you could put him in that category. You could. And, and, look, he played a pro system at Alabama. He's coached by the Alabama coaching staff. Um, you're getting a pro-ready guy because he's coming from Nick Saban's program. Um, you have to understand that. And their offensive structure. <clears throat> you know, they ran a lot of play action. They ran a lot of RPOs. They ran a drop-back passing game that you will see on Sundays in the National Football League. So that all matters when you're talking about pass protection schemes and how they're coached up front, in my opinion. I always look at the college scheme, too, and especially with an offensive line because we've seen so many guys that come into the National Football League that have a longer transition period coming from, you know, 100% spread offenses, right? 
Yeah. So with, with Wells playing in that Bama offense, and like I said, in my opinion, it, it is a modern pro offense at Bama. Uh, he he has a, checks a lot of boxes as both a run and a pass blocker. Right. And with the nastiness, the footwork, the athletic traits as well, and that could be a real possibility um, for the Giants too. Because I'm interested here, Jordan, to see what – because you have probably three or four uh, at the offensive tackle position. Who's the first guy to come off the board? You know, right. That's really interesting to me, and I think that spot is the team we're talking about, the New York Giants. So, so I'm going to um, make they, you. I'm going to make you the general manager of the New York. <laughs> I'm going to say, all right, you have your choice of all these guys. Let's pretend. Uh, let's pretend it goes uh, Burrow, Chase Young, Derek Brown. Okay. So now you have you have your choice of guys, including mm-hmm. we'll, we'll even put Okuda in there, right? Because he's right. still available. So you have your choice of offensive linemen, Isaiah Simmons, or Okuda for the Giants. Where you well, as a, as a former DB, I, I, I'd really like to have Okuda. I think he's the best man coverage corner in this draft. Uh, he's got high-level traits. And like we were just talking about, Jordan, what they're going to anticipate what the Giants are going to be on defense. You'd like to have a high-level man coverage corner. But, again, building up front, uh, I – and I'd have a hard time, again, passing on Simmons, too, because I love his tape. I love what he can be in the National Football League in terms of an impact defender. But I'm going offensive line here. Um, and for me, it would be between Werfs and Wilfs, okay, uh, because the offensive structure they played in college, the coaching they had at college. And, look, I, <laughs> come on, Jordan, I'm a former Hawkeye. I'm taking Werfs. You know <laughs> but, uh, look, I can see Wilfs. I can see Thomas here, too. I mean, they're – you, if that happens, the way you just explained uh, the first three picks of the drafts, and you're the New York Giants, you got to like it. you got to really like it because now you get your pick uh, at the top of the class at the offensive tackle position. That's a beautiful thing when you're trying to build a football team. Yeah, and like, like Dave Gettleman said, you pick a four-year, you're supposed to get a really good football player, a guy that you can envision mm-hmm. being a Hall of Fame gold jacket player eventually. And that's your goal, to pick one of those guys. That right. Get into that mold. So yeah, they're they're in a they're in a pretty good spot for sure at number four. And if they move down, they could, like you said, there's still there was a, more than one offensive lineman that you like. If they're right. able to move down some spots and still get one of those guys, that's a that's a win win. Right, I agree. So, Matt, tell everyone where they can find you because if you want to learn about football, this is this is the guy. I promise you. Uh well, I'll have stuff on ESPN.com. I'm coming out of the draft, and on, and on social, you can follow me at Matt Bowen 41, uh, and I'll have analysts there. And you know, in terms of what I think of the draft picks um, and the scheme fits, and, and what happens, you know, starting Thursday night. So you can check me out there. All right, we will definitely do that, Matt Bowen. Appreciate you stopping by. All right, thank you, Jordan. On to the next one. All right, we'll pretty much wrap it up on that after the double interview. Right, first time ever on Breaking Big Blue. We're breaking new ground. We're getting progressive here. Give us your feedback. I hope everyone enjoyed it. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool. They both absolutely crushed it. We have Dave, who we went over the, the scenarios, uh, you know, the media fan perspective, and then we bring in the football guy and Matt to break down all the fits and where he would go if he were the Giants. 
I really enjoyed it. I found it insightful. I hope you did as well. And I hope everyone out there enjoys the draft. I'll give you a little quick Jordan on the beat where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants or the NFL in general or work or cover the NFL for ESPN. This year is going to be the first time ever that I've covered the draft, covering the Giants, and I'm sitting at home, right? I've been at the draft sometimes when it was been in New York, uh, the Odell draft, I remember being there. Um, the Otherwise, you're at the facility. And you're sitting at the facility, you're getting uh, press conferences after every pick, that kind of stuff, in and out, talking to the general manager, uh, the vice president of player evaluation, or the director of college scouting. In this case, it's Chris Pettit probably this year. We'll talk after the picks along with uh, the head coach as well, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. But this year we're going to be doing it from home. So I'm going to be sitting at my desk, close the doors starting at like probably like 6 o'clock. I know the draft doesn't start till later, but I'll be making Phone calls, text, all people around the league, other reporters, people at ESPN, see what's going on and try and keep you up to date as much as possible. I will say this. Make sure you go to ESPN and you personalize the app to make sure you get Giants alerts and you are on, you, you, you favorite the Giants. That's the most important thing that you favorite the Giants. This way, the content is basically personalized for you. So you're a Giant fan. You want, when you go to the ESPN app, you want the Giants information to be the most accessible. So if you go there and you set them up as your favorite, that'll happen. So make sure you do that. Make sure you give us reviews. Tell your friends about this podcast. We need it to grow. Let's go. And everyone really just enjoy the draft. It's a really going to be a really good distraction. This is the only show in town right now, let's be honest, in regards to sports that's going on. There's no live events, live games. So this live event is like the biggest game. It, this is like the Super Bowl of NFL drafts. I mean, that, that's what it feels like to me, at least. Like an escape from everything that we've all been dealing with and what's going on in the society and world today in general. And finally, you have a diversion for one night, at least. You can enjoy the NFL draft, cheer on or boo whoever your team drafts and we could all pretend we're experts, and we could all t- say we like this guy. It was a terrible pick. It was great. The reality is we won't know for several years, but that's why the NFL draft is beautiful. We never know what's going to happen. We never know which of these guys are going to be good and which are going to be bust. It's, it's hard. It is an inexact science, but it is fun. So, everybody, enjoy the draft. I'll be back after the draft, we'll break it all down. I'll tell you everything that I'm hearing, all the buzz and, and the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened during the draft. Make sure you come back either late this week, uh, sorry, sometime early or late next week. We'll have the next podcast up, I promise you. With that, I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.